Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This episode is being recorded on Monday, March 19th, 2018. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. We are podcasting live from the Shock Talk Show here in sunny Las Vegas, and we're excited to have on the show today Katya Ermak. Katya is Director of E-Commerce and Digital Marketing at Saban NYC. She has also spent time with brands such as Rainbow, Century 21, and Isobar. Welcome to the show. Hello. Awesome. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's a little known fact, but uh, Scott exclusively uses your products in his own bath. So, Oh, so that's great to hear. Yeah, i am uh, got to have the bath bombs. Exactly. <laughs> so he's, he's very excited about having you here. Um, one of the things we always like to do on the show is talk to our guests about their backgrounds and how they came to their current roles. So could you tell us a little bit about... How you got into the industry and, and uh, what your current role is. Right. So currently I'm director of e-commerce and digital market at Saban. Um, I started there about two and a half years ago. Before that, I, as we said, I was with Isobar, uh, worked on their engagement team here in the United States. And uh, before that, I did content management for Rainbow Shops. Um E-commerce was definitely something that uh, I was interested in when I was in college. I have a fashion uh, business degree, and I was just thinking of where can I go with that degree that would make the most value out of my talents. And uh, I got a couple internships, um, e-commerce internships, especially one with Century 21, which really took off. Um, And uh, love my job, love what I do. E-commerce is fantastic and it's such a growing animal and there's so many different things that you can do with it cool did you go to the fit isn't that the big fashion school in new york right no i went to a barclay college which is also in new york okay cool awesome yeah i meet a lot of uh young ladies that are studying fashion and there's a lot of different ways you can go it's interesting you chose e-commerce do you feel like it still scratches your fashion itch or absolutely is that was like a, a business degree with um a fashion flavor to it. And as I said, like I was interested to see, I, I came to the Berkeley because I wanted to be a buyer, but while I'm studying, there was digital start taking off at that time. And people start talking more and more about it and how the brick and mortar, it will be going away. And uh, at some point it was very scary for fashion students because there was not a lot of job available. And, um, Again, I was looking for something that's going to be very up and coming, in which I think I did a very right turn. Yeah. Did they actually have classes on how to do some digital marketing and that kind of thing? Or did you have to kind of pick it up on your own? I picked it up on my own. I think we had um, maybe social media class or something like that. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about like what the scope of your role is now? So are you, you responsible for operating the website and digital marketing? And So, right. Uh, usually how I go about this, the question like that is that the company currently has three ways of doing business. So we have brick and mortar stores in, in New York and we have wholesale channel 
and we have website. So each channel is has its own department. So my department, and I'm head of the e-commerce department, is responsible of running the website, all the maintenance, all the development, all the digital marketing aspects. Um, currently, we're doing things with uh, paid social, with Google, we do panel ads, we do Google shopping ads, email marketing, uh, merchandising of the website. The only thing that I'm not touching base is inventory and the warehouse relationship. Gotcha. And, uh, can you tell us a, a little bit about Sabin for our listeners that might not know? I think of you as a vertically integrated brand. So you, do you guys make your own products and you sell them direct as well as through wholesale channels? Is that right? Or Right. So um, Saban is a bath and body product. Um, so we produce uh, body scrubs, shower oils, different moisturizing, moisturizing and lotions. We're a luxury brand. Um, originally we are from Israel, so our products are natural and they're based on Dead Sea salts and minerals and Dead Sea muds. Um, originally the company was built as the, um, franchise, so each country was its own franchise, had its own store, its own e-commerce. Um, about a year and a half ago, we got bought out by Group Rochelle and, uh, all their franchises were kind of put together and now we operate like its own company. We... Uh, getting our products from Israel, from our um, global office. And then we um, retail in it here in the United States. And plus we do wholesale as well. Got you. And you have a number of stores as well. So in New York, we have 10 stores, um, at, which primarily in Manhattan, one in Brooklyn and one in Long Island. Around the world, we have about, I want to say 200 stores. And we and we in countries uh, we in France, England, Netherlands, uh, Japan, Korea, uh, maybe Hong Kong, Hong Kong. Yeah, got you. Very cool. Um, and so one of the questions I'm always interested in uh, when there's a brand selling online that also owns stores um, is some of the omni-channel aspects. And you know, so like, do you guys try to do any attribution and figure out how the website is? potentially driving people to your store or any any sort of digital experiences in the store, those sorts of things? So it has been an ongoing cha- uh, challenge for us um, because the company was a franchise. So uh, originally it was just about driving revenue. We didn't talk about uh, how our, what the customer's experiences are, what are they experiencing in the stores, what the experience in e-commerce and how it's all blending together and how we can drive traffic for both and support each other. So this is currently changing and uh, we talk, we're talking about it. We're talking about different experiences that we cr- can create. One of the projects that we're working on right now is um, offering, um, we start offering like soap lab classes in, in, the, in our stores and to setting up like sort of booking and uh, scheduling through the website, sort of creating the tying up the e-commerce experience with the store experiences. But it's an ongoing challenge. We always talk about it right now. And we're always thinking of how can we, our stores are very beautiful and we have this personalized experiences when you get um, hand treatment, there is a big whale when you can test out a product. If people, uh, people doesn't know, customers doesn't know our, um, brand and they're, they're coming to the website, they're getting 
very slightly different experience rather than to the store. So it's always uh, a conversation. How do we get that whale experience, that very personalized experience on the website? And it's an ongoing conversation, ongoing challenge for us, which I'm hoping to get more answers on the shop talk. <laughs> Good. That's why you're here. Cool. It wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show if we didn't talk a little bit about Amazon. And you talked about wholesale. Um, is Amazon someone you guys wholesale with? And how would you describe your, your kind of Amazon strategy and, and thinking around them as a partner slash competitor, which is always a very much a frenemy with for everybody? So the company has a partnership, a wholesale partnership with um, Amazon. I think it was started about three year three years ago. It took off and uh, brought us revenue, brought us some sales, and brought the um, brand recognition. But um, we ha- we experienced in the challenge of that. It's it's very hard for us to manage and change the prices and change up. Kind of given that experience that we have on our e-commerce website or in the stores. So with that being said, we decided to launch Amazon as a marketplace with Fulfilling by Amazon. And we got a partner, channel advisor, which is helping us, kind of guiding us through and helping us setting up that channel. It's currently rolling out. So I think we should be good to go starting selling there in about a couple of weeks. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thanks for being a channel advisor customer. We, we always appreciate that. Um, and then uh, are you guys going to do hybrid where you still do some wholesale and some third party? Is that kind of how you're going to do it? So we think when we're going to roll out the Amazon marketplace, we're going to see what sort of traction that we're getting. It's, it's going to be a different product that wholesale had than from what Amazon marketplace we're going to be doing. And we'll see how it's going to go. If it's going to be very successful, we're going to slowly roll out the wholesale piece off the table or maybe it's going to be a better idea to keep them in a conjunction working so it depends like we really wanted to see and learn first yeah to make any sort of decisions very cool jason and i were at the path to purchase show and you had to head out and uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it but um, in the q a it was interesting as brands brought up some of these challenges with with amazon more and more of them were being solved with this hybrid model so uh, for example one brand was complaining amazon wouldn't order their product fast enough and one of the panelists uh i think it was melissa actually recommended you know you could actually have your you could you can um you do marketplace for that same item and then if amazon sells your item will you can at least have some guarantee that your product will be there uh, mm-hmm. there are several other examples like that where in the early days of hybrid it was just selection you know amazon has x and i want them to have x plus y uh, and now now there's like some more advanced strategies that are forming that I thought was, was kind of interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Um, one of the things that was interesting to me about having you on the show uh, is that I, if I have this right, you were one of the very early users of Dynamic Yield. Um, and Dynamic Yield is a, a software tool for doing personalization based on some, some AI deep learning. Uh, here at Shop Talk, those are the big buzzwords is personalization and and AI, um, and so I was I was just curious, sort of what kind of experiences you were you were enabling for your shoppers with Dynamic Yield, and is it just email? Is it on your site, and how that's going for you? Saban was the very early adopter of Dynamic Yield when they just started out, um, and uh, at Saban we love Dynamic Yield, and we pretty much do everything with them that could potentially be done um utilizing their platform which has rolled out and i think in august um 
product recommendation on our homepage, uh, on the mobile, on our product pages, on uh, in the cart. Um, we also serve banners, uh, all, all, all our banners on the website. We serve through Dynamic Yield and we do A-B testing. We use an infinity. Um, <clears throat> and we saw an uplift about 30% when we just rolled them out uh, in conversion rate and uh, customer satisfaction. Uh, I think there's so many things that you can do with dynamic yield and uh, strategies that you can implement. And you see, like I constantly see in their case studies that they're releasing or how they communicate with their, uh, how they work with uh, their other clients. Um, we're on a smaller scale of what, what we can do and we can execute. There's so many things, but execution part where smaller team is abound. So it's a little bit harder. Um, I think they're doing um, an event in April in New York, and it's going to be talking about um, more proficiency, how what different strategies for product personalization. Um, we started with the product personalization on a homepage. We started with a B test and sort of personalizing it by customer who visits website. And then we switched, they recommended that we switch to Infinity, kind of machine learning and recommending products that way. And we see tremendous um, increases in sales and conversion. Um, other thing, in their engine is just so interesting, and it's one of those things that blow in my mind. You're putting a small uh, JavaScript pixel on your website, and you can change in real time. You can you can test different... We, we test on different pages. We t- test on uh, forums, like if you have... Um, how many different fields you can have and which one converts better. So before before we're releasing anything pretty much on the website experience-wise for customers, we always test. We always create three, four scenarios and we test them which one performs better. Same goes for all of our banners, all the copy that we do for the banners and different call to actions and different images and different backgrounds. And it's opening up so opening up so many opportunities to learn who your customer is and what they like and um, kind of a learning curve you constant it's not it's, it's not a platform that you just kind of start and it's doing the things for you you constantly need to learn perform those tests but it's opening up and uh, a big door and personalization and making your ex- customer experience um, very personal for them I'm not a personalization expert, so maybe you guys can answer this. So, so does it kind of learn? Okay, this particular customer loves the flavor, you know, the lavender or something. And then it'll show them more of that kind of a thing. Uh, I know it sounds like you got some A/B optimization kind of testing stuff, but then the personalization does it kind of like learn what people like, and then it changes the website based on those learnings. Right. So it's obviously cookie. Like every single person who comes in the website, they cookie, and we can tell what what journey that they had on a website, what kind of banners they click on, what kind of uh, products they looked at, scents, um, they, they looked at the exfoliating products or more moisturizing products. Um, did they make a purchase? Did they add to the cart? What was, what was their va- uh, cart value? And based on that information, the next time they come back, we're going to serve them a different experience, uh, which could be anything. We can recommend them a product if they were... Mm, added something to the cart, but they didn't purchase. And then they come back. Maybe we'll show them the product with the potential deal that they can get for that. Okay. Or if they 
worn on the product page and then they added something else to the cart, we'll show them a similar product in the cart as well. There's a lot of different scenarios that you can think about and how to personalize. Got it. Is this uh, married to Magento or is it a, it's a, it works with anything? No, no, no. It's a, a SaaS-based uh, okay. tool that you can implement in, in a wide variety of platforms. I think you guys, in fact, are running it on Magento, though. Um, and what's, what's cool to me, uh, we've had personalization for a long time, uh, where the better you get to know the customer over multiple sessions, you, you can start to be more relevant to that customer. Um, and that, that's still really important. For most sites, though, the majority of visitors are first-time visitors. Mm -hmm. And so where a lot of personalization has historically fallen down is every customer is unknown, so they get the same generic experience. And, you know, your best customers that come back over and over again get this great personalized experience, but they're a small percentage of the total traffic. Mm -hmm. And so where where these tools are getting much better now is what I'll call... um, sort of in-context, in-session personalization mm-hmm. where they like infer explicit, sig- uh, implicit signals from the browsing you're doing in a single session and start dynamically okay. personalizing, even for those unknown first-time visitors. That's correct. Like you can perform sort of some sort of action. You write in a scenario when the customer performs some sort of action, like they subscribe to a newsletter, click to the body scrub, edit something to the cart. We're going to serve them a different experience based on already what they see in can you start to, so it sounds like it'll also work with display ads, which is cool. How about like your email marketing? Can, can it personalize your email marketing? So, you know, some lady likes a certain scent you can send her or, or she had something in their cart. Well, that's probably easy with cart abandonment emails, but right. any personalization, can you personalize like the emails you send out to with dynamic yield, you can upload the pixel, not the pixel, the vid, the, you can put the dynamic uh, your widget inside of your email and you can serve them. Um, so like you have your content of the email, like your promotion, your content, and then on the bottom you can show products um, specifically selected for that customer. And so often that's the first way that these tools get used because it's, yeah, in the email. it's, it's yeah. easier to implement just for email than it is for the whole platform. So very often that's the test. And the cool new feature that the, these guys are all starting to roll out now is personalization at open so you can imagine like you send an email and you you have some personalized content in there that maybe is uh been has been personalized to the weather or something you browse for based on time so for example if um if we run in a promotion or some sort of deal or sale so while the promotion promotion is running you're going to see a clock down so you open you open up your email and you see you can see a clock down that says like this promotion is going to end in one hour. If you open it at thirty minutes, it's going to say the promotion is going to end in thirty minutes. And when the promotion ends, and for example, let's say I missed that and I open it the email after a week, it's going to show me something completely different. Okay, very cool. Versus yeah. like often you Just send a promotional stale. email yeah. and, and it's stale when the person opens it. Yeah, very cool. Awesome. So it sounds like, you know, for a relatively small e-commerce operation, you guys are doing a lot of pretty cutting edge things. What What's kind of next on the roadmap? Where do you see e-commerce going uh, with you guys? And then we'll talk broadly about where overall you see e-commerce going. So um, another thing, so I, I was talking about um, sort of a, that we're talking about experiences, bringing together their stores and online. We're working Right now, the big project for us is the CRM, and um, uh, we have a loyalty program. And how how do we 
like the data that we're com- coming from Magento, from our e-commerce platform, is very clean. The data that we're getting for people who sign up in the stores for loyalty program is not that clean. So right now we're working on how do we combine those two those two data points and um, create that loyalty um, emails and loyalty programs campaigns that we talk with our loyalty customers at the same. Um, so we're treating sort of them the same. It doesn't matter where they shop and where they sign up because we don't know, but we think there is a lot of gap um, and there's a lot of um, cross references that people shop in at this, the shop in the stores and the shop online. I, f- I feel like it's crossing each other. Um, so this year we talk in, in the company a lot about CRM and loyalty and how do we bring this together? What kind of campaigns we're creating and what kind of software we're using? One of the things why um, we came to the shop talk and like the idea in mind was, is to find a CRM solution that we can use all of the data sort of segmented it and connect. Uh, very cool. And there are several of them there. So I, I suspect yep. <laughs> you'll, you'll be successful in that mission. Um, you mentioned loyalty programs, and that's been interesting to me because that, that feels a little bit like one of the themes of this year's show. Uh, in, the, in the Ulta keynote, um, they, they mentioned that like, the loyalty members represented, some I want to say, 90 or 95 percent of their total revenue, which is, I mean, astronomical. Uh, the Nike chief digital officer talked about uh, how how successful their their Nike Plus loyalty program had been. Um, it sounds like you've had a loyalty program for a while. Is it like a, a straight points for purchase program, or how does it work? So historically, we had two separate programs. One was the e-commerce loyalty program uh, when you collect points for every purchase that you make and then you release and then you redeem it for uh, purchase online. And we had a loyalty program in the stores. Same idea. It was a little bit different. So e-commerce, it was one-to-one, so one point, one dollar. In stores, it was tiered. I think there was five tiers. So this summer, when we just launched the new website in August and we launched the new POS system in July. So 2017 was a big year for us, a lot of different changes, and we'll launch our new loyalty program. Um, The idea was to combine the loyalty program in the stores and and online to kind of make it a more seamless experience. So currently it's the same uh, program you earn points, you, you earn one point for every dollar you spend, and then you can redeem it. There's no cap in redemption. You also, as a part of the loyalty program, you also get uh, welcome coupons. And what we found is that we there's two coupons when you sign up, which you can use the next month and the f- next, next month. So we've um, that's something that we actually got from our comp- our parent company in Israel. This is how they do it, and they saw a lot more traction with just giving a ten percent sign up coupon. Uh, people com- people people coming back to redeem it more often, and it works pretty well for us. Plus, we have a birthday um, coupon that we the birthday gift that we send for the people to redeem their, their birthday month. And we'll do a lot of activities for our Royal Passport. We call them Royal Passport members. We do events in the stores uh, where we do different treatments or different parties. And we have, uh, we, we, we do like new collection previews for them. Um, 
it's another big thing that we're doing. And like what I was talking before about CRM and how do we connect them? Um, it's still a little bit separate in terms of the promotions and like uh, we. I feel like in the store part we do much better, a much better job for the loyalty rather than on a website. So right now we, we're talking about how we can combine and make that experience more seamless. Got it. Um, and so you mentioned that you're going to look for some uh, CRM solutions at Shop Talk. Yep. We're sort of one day into the show, a day and a half into the show. Um, have you uh, seen anything or, or sat in on any sessions that were particularly interesting to you? Or? Not did yet. You, did you see the Ulta keynote? The uh, it kind of as you were talking about experiences in the store, uh, she was saying they're going to add a lot more experiences. They already have like a salon in the store, but I think they're going to add you know almost more like taking it to a spa level of. Uh, so it's kind of it reminds me of some of the things you talked about that you guys do in your store. I don't know if you saw Ulta or not. I saw something that Sephora was talking about, and they were showing all of these experiences they they created for their shopper, and this is. It was very in, uh, sort of inspiring conversation and the presentation that she had. Um, she was talking about all of this. Um, this is exactly what we're looking for. And I think this is exactly what the industry needs and like the, what the e-commerce is moving towards is to like, for example, somebody get a notification that they forgot something in their cart. And they're walking by the Sephora, they have, they put a sample in their cart and they've, it's there. So the Sephora would email them or send them a notification from the, their app that there's a store and the sample is available in the store. You can come and pick it up. And you pass them by the store, you come over, uh, talking to their uh, sale associate, they're giving you that sample. And while they're doing that, they're saying, oh, we also do all of this experiences in the store, um, all these treatments. Would you like to sign up? They send you up right there and then. Then they perform the treatment on you and all the products that were used during the treatment, you will receive the samples and then they send you an email with all of these products and how to use them and the price point. So then you can come back and either purchase them in the app in the, on the, your desktop in the commerce website, or you can come back back to the, sto- uh, to the store. So I feel like they're doing a great job on tying, tying in those experiences. And this is something that I really want to spend time and think about it after come back from the shop dog. Cool. And you, you kicked off, um, we'll kind of go full circle. You talked about when you started your career, you had heard, you know, stores are closing and you want to get into e-commerce. How do you feel about stores now um, that you've been in the industry for a while? Do you think, do you think this Mulligan retail apocalypse thing is overdone or do you think it is tough for stores and what's the future of stores? It's interesting. That's what the, uh, a lot of, I feel like a lot of things on shop talk is talking about exactly like, is the brick and mortar dad or, as uh, involved in a different way. I personally think, and a lot of people in the industry as well, that brick and mortar is not dead, but there's people who are doing it right and people who um not quite there yet. And depending on how fast they can get there, going to mean if they're going to keep their stores or not. People are definitely looking for some personalized experiences. What we can do in a store to make it more relevant or more exciting uh, what are those experiences? And I feel like this is where the industry going. And I feel like the, the theme of everything that I said today is about those experiences. Like what can we make so exciting for the customer, for them to come back? Obviously the, um, interacting with the sales associate, interacting with the products when you see, can touch them, smell them. It's so much different from e-commerce websites. So I feel like 
there's the store's gonna definitely stay. It's, they're not going anywhere, but it's gonna be involved in something completely different. And we just have to buckle up, take the bumpy ride, and um, <laughs> see where it takes us. Buckle up, Buttercup. I feel like that is a, a perfect uh, place to end it because it has happened again. We've used up all our allotted time. Um, but we certainly want to thank you for taking time off the show floor to join us. Uh, if folks have questions, you're welcome to jump on Facebook and continue the conversation there. As always, if you enjoyed today's show, uh, we'd love it if you jump on iTunes and give us that five-star review. And uh, until you do that, we will be buckled up here. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Katya. We really appreciate you taking time. Thank you very much. Until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. <laughs>